0: I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind unedited motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Sometimes it can be difficult to find all of your favorite healthy pantry items at the same grocery store or even visiting two or three stores. With your Thrive Market membership, you can find any healthy snack or pantry item you could ever want. You can shop by gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, AIP, vegan, and more. Thrive Market has something for everyone. And not just something, lots of things. They sell cookies, pasta and pasta sauces, salad dressing, nut butter, milk alternatives, granola, cooking and baking oil, coffee, soup, cereal, jelly, sugar, and sugar alternatives, chocolate chips, crackers, spices, dried fruit, nuts, and more. In addition to more than 2,700 food items, they also carry supplements, cleaning supplies, makeup, toiletries, and more, all on the natural spectrum. I have been using Thrive for over three years, and I still look forward to getting their boxes in the mail. Every order over $49 ships free, always. In addition, you can earn extra Thrive credit by supporting different featured brands each month. Not only do they have some of the best items on the market, but with your Thrive Market membership, you get these items at a discounted rate, making them cheaper than you could find them at the grocery store. Use my link in the show notes to receive 25% off your first order. Hi guys, welcome to Unedited Motherhood. If you missed last week, we started a new series called Building Strong Relationships. Throughout this series, I'm gonna interview my friend and licensed therapist, Rachel Elder, about friendship, dating, marriage, family, creating boundaries, you name it. Last week we started with friendship, and this week we're gonna play part two of the interview. So, buckle up, here we go. What is the secret to a strong friendship? Hmm. honesty,
1: being authentic and vulnerable.
0: I would even throw respect in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good one.
0: I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying a minute ago about being able to be friends with somebody, even though you don't agree with them. And I think you know, obviously friendship, you need to be loyal and honest and caring. Um, but if you do things differently than somebody and you think either your way is better or that they're making poor choices and it causes either competition or some strife, then you clearly don't respect them and you're not going to have a fruitful friendship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think respect is a huge one because I think about even like high school relationships like we didn't understand what respect was Mm -hmm. and so like a disagreement or a conflict would happen and then we'd go and tell someone else and they'd tell someone else which was not being respectful of the Mm -hmm. friendship or conversation you were having with that person Mm -hmm. and created all that drama versus respecting of I don't agree with you and I don't see eye to eye and that's okay. I don't need to go bash you behind your back or go Mm -hmm. talk to someone else about how it upsets me. Like if it upsets me, I need to talk about it with you because that's the respectful thing to do.
0: Right. And also this just not cool sharing people's business with other people. Yeah. I mean, gossip is the short word for it. People don't yeah. like to think of themselves as gossipers because it's such a negative, negatively associated word, but that's all it is. Mm-hmm. When you share information with somebody else that wasn't voluntold, kind of like you, when we were prepping for this interview and you were wanting to tell a story about the boy from the mall. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, well, we'll just make sure not to say his name. And you're like, Oh, well, you know, you hadn't thought of that. It was like, well, he didn't give us permission to share his identity, yeah. you know, with whoever is going to be listening and that's, you know, that's not respectful to not give him anonymity if he doesn't want that story short or that story told with people. Yeah. Um so that's the same thing, you know, with gossip or even if you have a concern about somebody, if it's not your business to tell, don't tell it and that can make or break friendship for sure yeah
1: well and I mean that's what therapists are for to go work those things out with or you you do give the anonymity piece of like you know I have a friend versus Mm -hmm. oh I was talking to Liz the other day and she said this and that concerned me But I have a friend who said this to me and I'm not sure what to do with it. Right. If you're looking for actual help and support. right?
0: If you're not just doing it to get it off your chest, but if you're doing it to actually look for support, because generally, if you want to support somebody, ask them how they want to be supported. And if they're not sure, then maybe you can try to find Mm -hmm. your own way of supporting them. Yeah. But the first inclination should not be to turn to somebody else because... It's yeah. not your business to, to solve. Yeah. I usually. feel like that's
1: where the huge difference is from like childhood, high school, middle school friendships to adulthood is that respect piece. Like, you know, what mm-hmm. respect is better, mm-hmm. you know, how to give respect, um, ask for respect. And I feel like that's what makes a difference in adult relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think because, um, you know, we kind of talked about how our friendship evolved over the years, which we didn't really get into, you know, the progression of that, but you went off to college. I stayed at home. Um, you were still my closest friend, even though you went off and, you know, reconnected with old friends and had your own like house full of people. And I was, not not all alone, not whoa Liz. But you know, I, I didn't really do anything. So I didn't really expand my friend group. So um, you know, we tried to maintain our friendship even though you were super busy. And then after, you know, college you moved out to Washington for grad school. And our it probably was a couple years of you being I mean, we would talk, but we really weren't that close until shortly after I got married and we kind of reconnected and
1: well, I, I think, I think we should talk about your wedding because you yeah. asked me to be a bridesmaid That's and true. I said, no, um, which I think was pivotal in our friendship because even though it was hard, hard, mm-hmm. I think for you to hear that it was really hard for me to say that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we accepted it and didn't let it be like and we're done. But I remember right. being at your reception and I think I was talking to your mom, oh mama, mama Greer, love her. And you must have come up or she was saying something to me which made me cry. And then you came up and we had that moment. Even though it was like the a big day for you and there was a ton of people around, but it was like that I don't even remember what she said or what happened, but I remember we just hugged and there was a sense of like we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This was really hard, but like this doesn't have to break us. And we're gonna push through this. It's gonna take time. Mm-hmm. But we we're still gonna be friends. And we're gonna learn from this moment and grow from it versus it being a reason to not continue on.
0: Right. And just for people listening that are really confused right now, <laughs> we um we went through challenges through college that we weren't able to work out as well as we Mm -hmm. did in high school because we saw each other every day and she was my ride to school for most of high school. Um, And I post high school went through for the first like year and a half, I would say maybe even two years until I went to India and kind of came back. I feel like I was much more my own person, Uh, but it took me probably two or three years after high school to kind of figure myself out. And so I wasn't the greatest friend throughout that period. And although Rachel and I stayed in touch, we, um, we had our baggage. So, you know, in my mind, when I was thinking about people I wanted at my wedding to support me, she was one of those people, but for her, she wasn't in a place where that was a good fit for her. And, you know, she lived far away. She was really busy in grad school. Um, There were things between us that weren't completely reconciled and it just wasn't going to work for her at the time. Um, So that was hard. But, you know, she did what was best for her. I respected it and we were able to move forward. And I think for most friendships, that would have been the end. But Mm -hmm. Rachel said, you know what, I can't be a bridesmaid, but I will be your hands and feet on your wedding day. And she went to Starbucks and picked up coffee for the whole wedding party. She ran errands. She said, what can I do now? And she was still there for me the entire day. And after that we were a lot closer and we were kind of able to, to grow back from that. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it makes me want to cry because it was pivotal for me to be able to say no Mm -hmm. without it, without being attacked. And to put a boundary in place with someone I did care about to say, like, this is how I can have a healthy relationship with you right now. Mm -hmm. And this is what I can do to support you, even though it's not the way you want me to and for it to be respected. Like, Mm -hmm. that was huge. Mm -hmm. And like, I thought me saying no, like, I remember sitting on a couch at school having to have the conversation. I was like, this is going to be it. I'm going to be uninvited from this wedding. And like, this is the last conversation we're going to have. Yeah. And you didn't do that.
0: Well, and I'll be honest, like it was, it was very difficult for me to understand because Mm -hmm. I don't think I fully did understand because we were long distance. There were a lot of things that were unsaid between us and for a little while you know, it was kind of like, well, she said no because of all these reasons, but of course there's more to it. And, you know, it just, there wasn't a good time to talk about that, you know, at that time. So, you know, if you were here, I probably would have handled it differently, but because I had to have time to think about it, (laughs) I think I probably was able to respond to it. And I think by choosing not to respond to it or not, not to not respond, but to not react to it, That allowed us to be able to move forward, just trying not to take it personally and to just recognize that you were doing what was best for you and, you know, not letting it, you know, uproot, uproot me. And I think that's the, the key thing is that most people, when something offends them, they go on offense because Mm -hmm. they don't want to be the weaker person. They don't want to be, um, What word am I looking for? They don't want to be uh, vulnerable. Yeah, vulnerable, or maybe acknowledge that their behavior was maybe at fault or that they they had made a mistake. Right. And they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to appear weak or, you know, targeted or whatever. So they'll just be like, F you. You know, I don't, I don't need that kind of negativity. If she doesn't want to be there for me, you know, forget it. Don't come to my wedding. I don't want to see you. And, you know, they take everything so personally. And, um, I think if you hadn't said no, then you might not have had the boldness to confront the conflicts in our relationship. And we might've just kept going as, you know, insincere friends for a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, so was- and I mean, it, I was, I mean, my, I was ready to quit grad school at that point too. Like the whole first year of my program was all about like really knowing yourself and knowing your story and the pain you hold. And so like, I was doing that every day in school. Mm-hmm. And so I I think even in that moment, like I was saying no, and I kind of knew, but didn't know all of it because I was also wrapped up in all this unraveling of my life story
0: right
1: and there was like i i don't even know if i, I didn't even know if i was going to be able to make it to your wedding because i had a huge final that hadn't been scheduled and the teacher had said well i think it's that that monday or something and i was like i don't even know if i'm going to make it to your wedding mm-hmm. um so there was like some like legit factors but there was also this piece of like i can't authentically say yes i so want to be a bridesmaid right now because i was battling this like I, I don't even know where we stand in our friendship, but I, right. I didn't know how to be vulnerable and share it with you. Cause I would think I was really scared that that would be it. We wouldn't overcome this one and we're done. And I didn't want that, but it could have been a reality.
0: And I think through, through that, like aside from the issues that we'd had you saying no, but then still being there to support me, was more support than I got from other people that I had expected more support from. And so that was very eye-opening for me too. Like other people that were really quick to say yes to either save face or just for, you know, the experience, um, you know, they showed their true colors by saying yes to something maybe that they shouldn't have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard being adults, making
0: decisions. You want to peek at my babies? There's Dwayne. You're right there. And then Ada is, oh no, she's in her bed. That's what I was going to say. She's completely under the covers. She probably still is completely under the covers. (laughs) Yesterday, she does quiet time. She doesn't do a second nap anymore. Mm -hmm. And she went back there for quiet time. and was so exhausted because my little brother stayed with us overnight. And uh, she went back there, just sat on the floor and just leaned over her bed and fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> for a nap, you can barely see her head back there in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. We already talked about this a little bit, but let's talk a little bit more about how to navigate arguments and work through differing opinions. You know, say it's a really good friend that you have and um, insert in your mind whatever is going on in your guys, your listeners out there, whatever challenges that you're facing with one of your friends or even like a sibling friend or a sibling that you consider a friend or whatever, um, whatever that you guys are facing that you can't seem to get past. And there have been times with a friend where we've we've hit a hurdle and thought, how are we going to move past this? Um, And to both of us, it was something that was really important and we didn't see eye to eye on it. So how do you how do you move forward, and how do you work through things so that it doesn't have to ruin your friendship?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the question was like, how to navigate different things, yeah, different perspectives, have, and conflicts, how, and yeah.
0: how to just have like a healthy discussion about things that you disagree about, and be able to, yeah. you know, say there was a big blow up. Like I had yeah. an experience with someone where things kind of came to a head. They'd been kind of holding on to it as to not disturb the relationship. And then finally, there was like this moment where they felt like they were just getting things off their chest, but it was totally explosive for me, even though I didn't react yeah. in the moment. And so then I was like, I'm never talking to her again. And, you know, yeah. we worked through it. But how do you what's a healthy way to do that? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, this is what I walk couples through often, but it's a relationship. So it can apply to a friendship, too. Um Oftentimes, unless you are dealing with conflicts in the moment, we do tend to pile them up. Mm -hmm. So if that is the case and there are multiple things to talk about, you have to start with one at a time. You can't solve all of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you need to identify which conflict is impacting you the most, right? So in the Mm -hmm. friendship, which one is like holding you back from being friends right now or being able to be healthy friends? um, start there, um, and name what you need, right? You can't, the goal isn't to get the person to agree with your perspective or right. join your side. The goal is to help them understand your perspective, mm-hmm. right? And why it's important to you, right. but then getting behind what do you need from them, right? Do you need them to just say that they understand? Mm-hmm. Do you need them to respect, your view of this and the boundaries that might come with it, what do you need? Not what you want, but what do you need, right? Because mm-hmm. you probably want a lot of things, right? Even with us, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are times that it would be easier if I would just completely join your point of view on things and just be team, whatever your team about, right? Right. But what, what helps us stay friends is that I'm willing to understand your perspective and listen to it, even if at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't agree with you right? Mm -hmm. And we can still be friends. So a lot of people think that resolving conflicts means that you're going to agree by the end of it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or that one of you is right and the other is wrong. Right. But that's not really realistic.
0: And I think that's what causes a lot of people, especially relationships, but friendships too, to keep having the same fights over and over is because they can't agree to disagree. It's like, I want you to feel the same way I do to to be valid, whether it's to be validated or because you want what's best for them and you think that your way is best.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: you keep bringing things up. But what I've learned, and I used to be that way, you know, I used to, you know, learn about something and then be like, everyone needs to know this. Everyone needs to feel the same way. And, yeah. you know, I still may feel that way, but I have learned that life is not about just going around trying to convert everybody to the way you do things because- the world would be a very miserable place, Mm -hmm. more miserable than it is from the people that are already doing that right now. But I think another way to accomplish, you know, a landing ground is to put boundaries in place that prevent that issue from coming to a head or from affecting your relationship. Um, whether it's a social boundary or a conversational boundary where you just, um, maybe mutually just decide that when it comes to that you're just going to agree to disagree and not you know not feel the need to rehash it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that is one approach or it's the, the realization too, you know, when I work with couples we call it the gridlock issues, but there are always going to be issues or topics that you find yourself having conflict or disagreement over um and then that's normal. Mm -hmm. Right. So even if it comes up again, how do you be more curious this time? How do you try to listen to understand versus listen to respond?
0: Right. And you've talked a lot about the, but like if you Mm -hmm. say, I understand, but then you, whatever you say before, but is deleted. Yep. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of what I meant where you disagree not to talk about it. It's not that the conversation shouldn't be able to come up organically. If you know, you're not going to be able to See eye to eye on it. Um, don't force trying to bring it up to change the other person's mind over and over.
1: Yeah, yeah. And when you get in those conversations too, like sometimes there are needs that ha- that one of you has that the other person may not be able to support, right? And then that's that recognition of okay, does this need have to be met by this person, or can someone else support me in this need? But if it has to be met by this person, you are coming to a realization of what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Is this something we can resolve together? Or is this a, is this a conversation about this friendship ending and about closing the store? Because we've come to a place that we're not, we're not going to be able to be kind
0: and healthy with one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, that leads me into another question that I don't think I had written down, but I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about toxic friendships and how to Mm -hmm. recognize. And, um, there was one example that he's, a the, the podcast I was listening to is Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Mm -hmm. He's, um, an intellectual, but he's also a clinical psychologist and he is very very well-read, very intelligent, one of the most intelligent people that, you know, my husband could probably, he would list off the five most influential people in his life. I think he would be one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does incredible teachings and lectures. He's Canadian, but anyway, he was doing this thing on toxic people. He takes uh, questions from his audience and he was talking about how, if you have somebody, a friend or a family member or whatever, and they're constantly you know complaining about something for example it's like okay you listen to them once you listen to them twice and after the third time you in order to preserve them and the the relationship you need to say something and so i think with conflict um you know there's a lot that you have to you know we're all imperfect so there's going to be things that you have to take with a grain of salt or, Oh, they were having a bad day or, you know, whatever, but it's the, the repetitive behaviors that are toxic that you have to acknowledge if they keep going. And I think that that's one of them. Like if you can't get past something with somebody and it's seriously affecting your friendship, no matter how many times you try to work through it is the friendship benefiting your life after, you know, so many, so many you know, run-ins, yeah. I guess, with it. Well, and our needs are often
1: connected to our values. So when someone's like, I can't support you and your needs, it's it's not directly saying this, but in a way it's like, I don't respect the values you have. Mm-hmm. And so when values aren't respected, that's a clear sign that like, this is not healthy for either one of us, mm-hmm. right? Like if your values are not being honored and respected by others, the energy you try to put into working that out may not be impactful.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what, one of the reasons why I prefer to have fewer friends, but closer friends. It's like, there's a lot of crap that comes (laughs) with friendship. I mean, friendships are great, but even your great friendships, you know, they're going to have trouble, or yeah. disagreements, or if, I mean, hopefully if both people are mutually respectful and understanding and have this perspective that, you know, you're not going to agree on everything, let's focus on the strengths of our friendship and let it thrive that way. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, especially with superficial friendships, or when you just have a lot of friends that don't always reach that deep level, um, I just the crap isn't worth it in those, in those <laughs> friendships to yeah. me, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, there are values that are really important to me. And if I can't get to a place where somebody understands that about me, then that's not really somebody that I want to invest, yeah, well, you know, a friendship in, and that may sound really harsh, but you know, I'm, I'm at a point in my life now I'm almost 30 and I want my relationships and friendships to be meaningful. I want to build, I want to build friendships that are going to, you know, make me a better person and hopefully I can inspire them to be a better person and yeah, to, to carry the baggage of a mediocre friendship is not something that I want to do if it's not helping me be a better person. And, you know, neither of us are gaining anything significant out of the friendship.
1: Well, I think you're talking about like how valuable your time is. Right. Right. I think about that a lot as being a new mom of, I don't have a lot of extra time to give. Mm -hmm. I need these relationships. I need friendships. So when I have that time or I take time away from my family to pour into that relationship, I want to, I want the kind of return on investment to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Of like, we are building each other up. We are filling each other's buckets that are empty. Mm-hmm. Like this, this friendship. Like you are gonna be the first person I call when I have that time, right? Right? Because it's already hard to find it. Um, at least for me, it's it's hard. Absolutely. To, it's hard to battle the guilt of leaving your children and your home and to go take time. This might just be me, but to take t- care of yourself and time for yourself. No, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So, I mean,
0: I feel that way, even though I'm a stay at home mom, my husband works from home, so we're all home together all the time. And I, you know, I definitely struggle with, with that. And now, especially that I'm doing this podcast, you know, this is something that I was really excited about and I still am, you know, I'm absolutely loving it. And it's, it's challenging in me in ways that I never thought, and I'm learning a lot, but I still like, I'm, I'm busy now. Like I was already a Mm -hmm. mom of two a housewife. I don't just take care of my kids. I take care of the home too. I prepare three meals a day and I do all the laundry and cooking and cleaning. And now I have this podcast too. And it seems like the more I, I kind of find a direction for myself, the more opportunities within that area are coming up. And I want to do all of them, but I also, you know, I have to prioritize what I want to make time for. And so when I do have an opportunity to spend time with my friends or to, to do something outside the house, it's not something that I take lightly. It's something that I, you know, I want to value and for it to add value to my life. No, I don't.
1: I mean, it is totally fair to say like, I want relationships with people that I care about. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't want, I think most people want that, right? That's our humanness of we desire to be loved and known and connected. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that with everyone. We're not meant to, and that's okay. So it's okay when you meet someone or even friendships that have lasted for a while and life changes and you evolve and they change and life gets busy. It's okay to come to a point of at one point in time, you were a very important person in my life and mm-hmm. someone I did spend a lot of time with. And I'm now at this point in my life where that isn't the same. And you're not the first person I call. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. Mm-hmm. This is just how life works. We change and we evolve and our interests change, our values change, and we're living life as humans as we're supposed to.
0: Right. And it doesn't um, mean you have to like burn bridges with these people or completely no. cut them out. And you can still. Yeah be there for them, even if they're not the first person that you want to be there for you. And I think that's where, you know, it's like the whole being vulnerable and being willing to be in a position where you may feel strong, more strongly about somebody than they feel about you. And it doesn't mean there's still not mutual respect and appreciation, but, you know, as you know, like our friendship has evolved too. Um, All, all friendships do, especially, you know, 15 year friendships that start when you're 15. Um, But I, yeah, I think that that's important because I think people want, uh, they want out of something as much as they're giving. And if they're investing a lot, then that makes sense. But with friendships, as they change to try to hold on to something that isn't working for you anymore, um, can just weigh you down and it may keep you from some other really great possibilities and opportunities.
1: Yeah. yeah it's not
0: healthy to do that. Mm-hmm. 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 So talking about the possible ending of some toxic relationships and friendships, how can you make new friendships, meaningful friendships when like, for example, when I was 20, 2021. And I came back from India and I had lived away from where I grew up for over a year now. Um, and you know, everybody had gone off to college and done their own thing. And I got back home and was like, I have no friends. And I think that's where, um, our friendship was really strenuous because you were, you know, my closest friend in high school and you had gone off to college too, but I didn't have a lot going on. So I was just like, Hey, can I drive up to to your school for the weekend and crash with you and hang out and a lot of the times it was yeah but there were times where you were like no i can't make that happen and i needed friends and that was a really really tough time for me and it took mm-hmm. me it i mean ever since then i mean that was almost 10 years ago now but i still have have struggled to make new friends that's hard for yeah.
1: me yeah Well, I think there's a protective factor that goes into it, right? Of like, I know what a good friendship can look like and it can take time and energy. And I don't know if I want to do that, Mm -hmm. but I think you have to take the risk, right? Someone has to be vulnerable. Someone has to take the first dive in. Mm -hmm. So if you encounter someone or meet someone that it's like, there's something, there's some vibe there, right? Or some interest in you getting to know them. Mm Mm-hmm choosing to be vulnerable and take that risk and say like, Hey, do you want to hang out? I really enjoyed connecting with you. I'd love to grab coffee or I'd love to get, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like dating again. It's so like dating. It's so, yeah, it is like dating.
0: Yeah. And what's helped me recently in the last year or so is looking for friends in areas where I'm passionate. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, You know, I'm an advocate for medical freedom, and that's really important to me. And I was able through social media to find a network of people that felt the same way. And this is another, you know, hobby or interest of mine is connecting all these people that feel the same way that independently can be isolated because, you know, it's a really touchy subject right now. And finding a way to not only connect these people, but get Get the friendships going offline instead of online, um, because it's really hard to find value and know where you stand with internet relationships. Yeah. Um, but I think f- kind of like online dating, it's like Match.com, or your Harmony or whatever. I think that looking in areas where there's something that you feel really strongly about, and looking for people in that area or in that subject matter to kind of find a spark with somebody is another way that you can meet new people, make new friends. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, you have to have something that connects you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you don't have to, but it, it's it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finding, you know, doing things and finding people in those environments where you have, you find joy or, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was like, I did make some great Like social media friends from the fitness Mm -hmm. interests I got into. And while some of them I have never met in person, I like, I do value them. Like, I just sent one of them a book the other day of like, oh, you need to read this. I'm going to buy it for you. I've never met you in person, but you've been so kind and supportive, and I want to support you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just connected from a general interest of fitness. Right.
0: So yeah. that kind of leads me into the next question, which is how do you um, find a way to measure the value of online friendships and social media friendships? Um, because it's, it's not the same, especially if they're long distance and it's somebody you've never met or talked to on the phone. It, you know It's one thing if you pick up a phone and you become like right. actual friends, but if it's somebody you only ever interact with online what kind of value and how do you see social media friendships and you know what's your opinion on that
1: Uh, I mean my experience and my thought of is I often don't know their value until there's a like a vulnerable moment shared between us
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right of like there's this mindset of like this is just social media like or people behind screens, like mm-hmm. it's not this one-to-one interaction necessarily. Um, but then there's a vulnerable moment that happens, whether it's them sharing like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you, can you help talk me through it? Or I saw that you've mentioned this before and I kind of want to ask you some questions about this. Uh, someone takes that risk essentially to make it more than this, like liking each other's pictures or clapping to your post and someone takes that risk and makes it more personal um and then it feels like like I would say they were a friend like I'd love to meet them in person if you know our lives cross that way Mm -hmm. um are they who I call when I'm in emergency no but I do value them it's a little bit different than like how I value us Mm -hmm. um because we haven't had that in-person moment, um, eye to eye in a way. Um, but that feels different of like these are friends versus these are just people I follow or interact with on social media. Right. But we have had these vulnerable moments and continue to like it wasn't just a one-time thanks and then we move on, never talk again, mm-hmm. but that then there are these continuous vulnerable moments of connecting with each other. Right. Um
0: Yeah. So so what are your thoughts on technology and social media as far as, you know, the effects that that can have on your real life relationships and friendships? Because I know you know, people are more disconnected than ever now because of how much time they're spending Mm -hmm. online and these superficial, I'll follow you, you follow me. And so when you get online and you see, you have all these likes and comments and They're from people that you've never met and don't talk to one-on-one. How is that affecting real life and mental health? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely creating so many barriers and so many like unhealthy ways of connecting and communicating, making it even harder to build connections in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, I mean, I don't necessarily feel this way for me, but like the younger generation, teens right now, they're learning that they are valued if they get a certain amount of likes or comments on their posts, that 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 means that they're worthy of being a friend or worthy of being popular. Um, They're learning a lot of the superficial of like, this is what makes you a good person versus what makes you a good person is that you are a person, right? What makes you a good person is that you try to be kind and do good, not the number of likes, likes or hearts that you get on a picture or a post mm-hmm. or the shoes you wear or the clothes you own. Um, so it's creating, I mean, there's now this like social media anxiety that's coming out of what this person didn't follow me. Does that mean they don't like me? This person left me on red. Does that mean they're mad at me? Instead of it just being like, maybe they haven't checked their phone or maybe they're not on social media as much mm-hmm. as you are. It is now the right. status of whether you're friends or not. Exactly. And so it's it's creating an, a very unhealthy precedent. And I know in my work with teens, it's really hard to challenge them of like, that's not healthy
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's not a real friend.
0: Right.
1: They take offense to that of like, no, no, no. This is how people do friendship and you don't get it because you're older. And it's like, no, I may not get what it feels like for you right now because I'm not you. But I do know that it's not a healthy friendship. That's not what real relationship is. And if you continue to believe that, you're going to have so many trust issues and connection issues as you get older And find that the world doesn't function through social media
0: all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think you and I are um, a good example of this because when we were in high schools, when MySpace was really popular and when, I mean, you know, people younger than us now don't even know what MySpace was because after Facebook came along, MySpace was just kind of gone. Um, But Facebook didn't, it wasn't what it is today. Facebook was a way of sharing, you know, your photos, sharing about you on your page. And it was less about status and more about connection. You know, (laughs) you could write on people's wall and have a little conversation and it wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. It was, um, it was a way to connect with old people, you know, oh, not old people, old friends. And now it's, a, almost like a way of life. It's like people are checking their phones for, you know, comments and likes and messages. Yeah. And
1: um well, people are on Facebook yeah. battling it out with each other, talking about their conflicts publicly, with and allowing other people to get involved.
0: Yeah, and these aren't people that you know. These aren't even people that maybe hold the same values as you. And you're spending yeah. so much energy and time and and arguing with people who. Could be 45 and living in their mom's basement just trolling. You know, I mean, yep. I mean, you have, uh, yeah. I think yeah. I got a little rabbit trail there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I think you can find great friends through social media.
0: But, but like, but like you said, it's really like challenging. It's, you have to put a personal touch on it. It's one thing mm-hmm. to, you know, find somebody random follows you and starts liking or commenting on your stuff, and then reaching out to them and just being like, "Hey, hi, you're you're new here on my page, or I'm new on your page, and I really like your content, and I'd like to collaborate, or you know, blah blah blah, and start up a a you know an actual one on one connection versus you know just you know like for likes and follow for follow, and it's all these people who you know, you've never met, never talked to. And so you get online and you have this sense of connection, but then when you're not on your phone and you're in real life, those connections aren't
1: real. Yeah. 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 I mean that if you, I just think so much, I mean, so many of these social media friends I've made was me trying to sell them something in a Mm -hmm. way. Um, and yet it turned into, like people that I think about, like when I'm like, oh, I haven't heard from them in a while. I'm going to reach out to them and see how they're doing. That that one moment of trying to connect in this way created this dynamic because we both chose it via the internet um, and choose to continue to connect in this vulnerable way mm-hmm. versus there's lots of other people I reached out to that we don't have conversations about or any conversations, right? I tried to sell them and that was it. Right. Um, but there are a few where it's like, No, like in real life, like if we lived in the same place or, you know, we could meet up, I'm sure we would be friends and I'm sure we grab margaritas and tacos together because I like the conversations we have here. I don't know why it would be any different in person. Right. Might be a little bit more awkward the first time, but I can imagine it's going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I met my husband online, so. I, I do believe you can have real relationships from Mm -hmm. an online setting, but you have to choose
0: it. Right. And I think you have to get the relationship offline at some point too. I mean, if it's especially for a relationship relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the value of a friendship and, you know, as busy adults and moms and wives and, whatever, you know, your responsibilities are, um, making time for friends can be tricky. So how often and how do you make time for friends, you know, as a mom or a wife or as a working adult? Yeah.
1: I don't think I have a great answer to this because I had my baby at the end of December and then, you know, I was very anxious the first few months about the flu and like her getting sick. And so I didn't do much. I also didn't have a lot of energy to do much. I did go out with a friend like three weeks after she was born to the zoo. And I always tell my friend, I'm like, I'm so glad you asked me to go, but that was a terrible decision on my part to go because that was too much for me. Yeah.
0: I didn't leave (laughs) Um, the house. Yeah. Soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, it was, it was bad life choice lesson learned. Um, But by the time I was ready to like, I wasn't so anxious about her getting sick, Um, COVID happened. And so I live in Washington state. It was like the number one hotspot other than New York for a while. And the world shut down here. And I couldn't, I just, it was, it was very conflictual of like, do you go and see people? Do you not? And it was too, it was so anxiety inducing for me that I was just like, I'll just stay here. Yeah. Um. So I don't feel like I have a great answer. I think now I have noticed when I hit my breaking point or like I'm mommed out that I'm like, okay, it's time to have girlfriend time. Like I need to go, I need to get out of this house. Mm-hmm. I need to go hang with the people who I know are going to accept me even if I'm brain dead right now. Right. right. Like I don't have a lot of energy, but I just need to be around you.
0: Right. And sometimes Um, sometimes for me, maybe I can share a little bit about this since I'm on my second one now. Um, but generally I find that if I wait until I get to a point like you were at where you're mommed out, um, I've waited too long because I'm I'm getting I'm less patient with my husband. I'm yeah overreacting with my my kids. Um, I'm resenting doing duties around the house. I'm like, I need to get out of the house. And I think it's better to not let it get to that point. And obviously I think everybody would agree with that, but finding how you can prevent yourself from getting to that point, I think is the tricky part because there's not just infinite hours in the day to go do things and, you know, childcare and, um, busy schedules and bedtimes and everything like that plays a part too. But for me, I, when I start, when I start, getting to a place where I notice that I'm getting frustrated about things that normally don't frustrate me, or I'm having trouble responding to different situations that I normally don't have trouble with. I try to look for those signs early and just say, you know what? I need to go to the grocery store by myself (laughs) and not Mm -hmm. take the kids with me, or I need to call so-and-so and and see if she wants to do a play date and I can bring the kids over to her house and just, you know, have a little bit of adult time. Um, Yeah, I, if you like do the
1: Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too. So I go into this like helper mode of like, I put everyone else's needs before my own. Mm -hmm. So I think what you said is so important because I'm in the mode of like, I will put myself bottom priority, but Mm -hmm. then when I don't have any more to give, then I am resentful. I'm really angry a lot Mm -hmm. and I'm short tempered and I'm just nasty to be around Mm -hmm. Um, so I, for my, my biggest thing for any mom would be like, if you, if you have the financial means, get a sitter, right. Don't Mm -hmm. rely on family, get the sitter, have someone where it's like you come on Saturdays and you and your partner get to go and hang or do whatever you want. You want to go to target and walk the aisles by yourself. Great. Like Mm -hmm. just go take care of yourself, go grab coffee with a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like you know, obviously when I have another one, another child, I think that'll be more intentional of like, okay, I've been in, the, I've been home all week. I'm going to go for two hours and I'm not, I'm right. not going to feel
0: guilty about it. Right. I have and, trouble asking for help. That's really hard. Yeah, even with so two, hard. you know, I get up with the kids, I get, I, I cook breakfast and I'm not dissing on my husband. He works, no, you know, yeah. he has a job. So even though he works from home, he works. So, you know, part of the the deal that we worked out when we got married is that I would be the stay-at-home mom. I want to do that and I enjoy doing that. But I also have to take care of myself, you know. He he has a lot more freedom because he's not the primary child rearer rearer. Yeah. yeah. Um so when I want to paint my nails or, you know, take a shower during the day, I or go to the store by myself or anything, you know, I have trouble asking for help. And mm-hmm. I'll get to a place where I'm like, could you just maybe do the dishes (laughs) He'll be like, all you have to do is ask. I'm like, but I don't like to ask, you know, I like for everything to be perfect. I like to carry my responsibilities and make them my first priority, but I'll go a whole day without showering. If the housework is behind, you know, like if I see that the kitchen is dirty or that the laundry is behind or You know, my podcast, there's some work I need to do for that. Or my husband wanted blueberry muffins, and so I have to, you know, go to the store for blueberries or make that or whatever. I put every, everybody else's needs ahead of my own. And then when I get to a point where I've bottomed out, I'm all of a sudden like, nobody's asked me if I need help. (laughs) You know? And uh my husband has to be like, All you have to do is ask. Cause I'll be like, Well, are you busy? And he'll be like, What do you need, babe? (laughs) Just like, Well. I just want to do this. He's like, you don't have to ask me what I'm doing. All you need to do is say, can you help me with this? And yeah, I don't ever want to put anybody else out to help me with something that I feel like is my responsibility. But yeah, I mean, we're talking more about marriage now than I feel like anything else. No, but,
1: but it's I think it's so important because, like, you know, for those who are listening, if you have friends who are moms and you know what it's like, or you're not a mom yet, like reach out to their partner and say, I'm going to take Rachel out of the house for a few hours. Like she may not be asking for it, but she probably needs it. Mm -hmm. Like help us take care of ourselves. Like our, our goal is to make sure everyone else is functioning. Right. Like we're moms. So like Mm -hmm. we need to make sure the kids are alive and our partner. Um, So like help make sure we keep ourselves alive too, because that's not our focus most of the time. Um, And so It's, it's important that we do that, but that we also have support around it. Mm -hmm. I think that's been my hardest struggle is sometimes I want to be like, why did no other mom tell me how difficult this is? Mm -hmm. Or if they told me, why didn't I understand it? (laughs) Why why, why didn't I understand?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to wrap your mind around it.
1: Yeah. When I have friends and I I love them to death, but they don't have kids yet. And they're like, Mm -hmm. well, just do this or just tell them this. And it's like, you don't get it. Yeah. And and that's okay. Like I'm not going to hold that against you cuz you haven't walked this yet and that's okay. But you don't get it.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> and and that yeah. is that is hard. It's hard for moms to be friends with non-moms. Yeah. I feel I feel like that's not that it can't happen and I have great yeah. friends that are not moms. But it is it it is a life-changing thing and you know, before you have kids and before you settle down, you know, your family, of course, but next to that, your friends are, you know, the biggest part of your lives generally. Mm -hmm. And once you get married and have kids, that changes. And while you still value your friendships, you know, other priorities, you know, get sent up to the top. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I I think that's definitely something that, you know, my last question here is what is the biggest threat friendship faces? And I think um, that there are certain things like having kids that is, that are, that's hard on friendships, especially if it's not mutual. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, life, life happening is the biggest threat,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like we evolve constantly. I mean, hopefully the goal is that we're evolving. Right. Right. And as that happens, it impacts our relationships. We either grow stronger or we grow apart. Um, and it doesn't have to, but you both have to be saying like, let's work on this. Right. Um, and sometimes one of you's in it and one of you's not, Mm -hmm. um, like with my friends who, who aren't moms yet of the reason we can keep being friends is because they keep trying to understand, Right. right? Like, they say these things and then I respond back and then it's like, okay, like that makes sense. Like I don't fully get it, but from what you're saying, I can understand that's Mm -hmm. how you feel Mm -hmm. versus them being like, well, just like, just do it. Right. Just say this thing to them or go out and just leave and do what you want. It's like, I can't just leave. Like there's never, ever just leaving. You don't just say Mm -hmm. peace out and disappear. There's so many steps (laughs) that you have to do to get there.
0: Right. Um,
1: And so when I explain that and they listen and it's like, oh yeah, I, I didn't think of that, or I wouldn't have imagined you'd have to do all that. Right. Well, before
0: you have kids, your primary focus is yourself. And so you are your first priority. And so for somebody that doesn't have kids to just be like, well, put yourself first, you know, that's, that's really easy to say because that's what you've been doing your entire life. But until you, somebody else, you know, you're responsible for somebody else, you don't see it that way. You know, you see it as yes, they're needy, but make time for yourself and, you know, leave them with somebody else for a little while. And, you know, and while that is important, it's not that simple.
1: There's a lot of steps. So Mm -hmm. many. Yeah. You don't ever just walk out the door.
0: Nope. And it takes a while to get out the door. Once you do decide to get out the door.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how often I come back inside because I forgot this or I forgot that, or how often I forgot my wallet.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, mom because brainers. I don't,
1: I don't carry a purse anymore. I carry a diaper bag. Right, and if you don't have the baby, you don't need the diaper bag. Right. Yeah. 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 I think life is the biggest threat to friendships, mm-hmm. and I think it happens.
0: And I think understanding that that is going to happen, and allowing a friendship to have its hills and valleys because there have been friends that I fell out of touch with for a while because of life. And then mm-hmm. because we didn't let it create a falling out, we just kind of let it happen. We were able to, you know, pick it back up when it was yeah. the right time or when it was it's also, a good time.
1: Yeah. I think that's good. And I think it's important to learn how to release friendships that have come to their end too. Right. Like, And they don't have to be I'm, messy. No. I mean, I think there are still like some friends from high school that even I'm kind of still kind of slowly holding on to like, well, maybe someday we're all going to come back together. Right. Mm -hmm. And that it actually would probably be healthier for me to just say, like, they were really important during that time in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that they're not anymore. And it's okay that we don't have this communication anymore. Mm -hmm. It's sad and there's grief, but it's actually probably healthier for me to let it go.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Because if it was a friendship that they valued, it would, it wouldn't be the way that it was. And by focusing on that, you're, you're wasting your energy on something that isn't instead of something that could be. Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that's a great place to end our interview today. Yay. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks for having me. I hope this was both fun and um, maybe a little educational or inspiring for some people. Hopefully they learned something about, maybe had some light bulb moments about some of their friendships and um, were entertained by our friendship. (laughs) (laughs) We're entertaining for sure. Oh, we are. Well, like I said, thanks for being here. We are going to do another interview for next week about dating
1: yay yay us little boy crazy girls
0: yeah and boy do we have some more stories for you yeah that's gonna be fun it'll be fun yeah Uh, looking forward to it so guys i hope you enjoyed that first episode that we did with building stronger relationship series, talking about friendship. If you did, please give us a review on iTunes or Apple podcasts and share it with a friend that you think might enjoy it as well. And as always, head over to Instagram at Unedited Motherhood Podcast for more content. Also, there's the blog post over at uneditedmotherhood.com and you can find all of the transcriptions for the podcast episodes there as well. We'll be back next week interviewing Rachel about dating. So have a great week and we'll see you then.